0: Chapter Fifty Three of Hallworth's. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by John Brandon. Hallworth by Francis Hodgson Burnett. Chapter Fifty Three. A Bit of Good Black. Granny Dixon was interred with pomp and ceremony, or at least with what appeared pomp and ceremony in the eyes of the lower social stratum of Broxton. Mrs. Briarley's idea concerning the legacy left her had been of the vaguest. Her revered relative had shrewdly kept the amount of her possessions strictly to herself, if, indeed, she knew definitely what they were. She had spent but little, discreetly living upon the expectations of her kindred. She had never been known to give anybody anything, and had dealt out the money to be expended upon her own wants with a close hand. Consequently, the principal, which had been a mystery from the first, had accumulated in an agreeably steady manner. Between her periodic fits of weeping in her character of sole legatee, Mrs. Briarly speculated with matronly prudence upon the possibility of the interest even amounting to a matter of ten or fifteen shillin a week and found the pangs of bereavement materially softened thereby there was a great deal of consolation to be derived from ten or fifteen shillin a week i'll hae a better o good black she said and we'll gee her a nice buryin'. only a severe sense of duty to the deceased rescued her from tempering her mournfulness with an air of modest cheer The bit of good black was the first investment. There was a gown remarkable for such stiffness of lining, and a tendency to crackle upon every movement of the wearer, and there was a shawl of great weight and size, and a bonnet which was a marvel of unmitigated affliction, as expressed by floral decorations of black crepe and beads. Have thee beads in thy bonnet, and a pair of black gloves, mother, said Janie and that'll be dressed up for once in thy life eh? Hey, but i'd like to go a mornin my son ay and so thou should jane ann if i could afford it replied mrs brierly there's nowt like a bit o black for makin folk look dressed there's summat cheerful about it e a a quiet way but never thee mind that'll get thee here things o' mine when I'm done wi' and happen that'll ha' growed up to fit the bonnet by then. The occasion of the putting on of the festive garb was Mrs. Briarly's visit to Manchester to examine into the state of her relative's affairs, and such was the effect produced upon the mind of Mr. Briarly by the air of high life surrounding him that he retired into the late mrs dixon's chair and wept copiously i never thought to see thee dressed up in so much luxury sarah ann he said and it sets me back that does not look like thyson that looks as though the might be one of the nobility gone to the duke of wellington's funeral to ride behind the horse. I'm not worthy of thee. I never brought thee look. I'm a misfortunate cha if that shut thy mouth and keep it shut till someone axes thee to open it, let it do well enough, interposed Mrs. brierly with a manifest weakening toward the culprit, even in the midst of her sternness. He's nay so bad, she used to say leniently, if he hae not been born a fool but this recalled to mr brierly such memories as only plunged him into deeper depression there is nay many as axes me to open it these days sarah ann he said with mournfulness it has nay opened to mich purpose for money a day even the hospity blessed on em gets tordo a chap as sees nout but misfortune i mount as well turn tea total and get the credit on it happen there's a bit o pleasure to be gotten out of staggerin through the streets wi a banner he the whit possession i do not know i thout my son as happen the tea a chap has to drink when the excitement's o'er and the speeches would a most be a drawback even to that "'But I mun say I thought a tryin.' It may be here remarked that since Mrs. Brierly's sudden accession to fortune, Mr. Brierly's manner had been that of a humble and sincere penitent whose sympathies were slowly but surely verging toward the noble cause of temperance. He had repeatedly deplored his wanderings from the path of sobriety and rectitude, with tearful though subdued eloquence and frequently intimated a mournful inclination to join the teetotals though strange to say the effect of these sincere manifestations had not been such as to restore in the partner of his joys and sorrows that unlimited confidence which would allow of her confiding to his care the small amount he had once or twice feebly suggested her favouring him with to settle we a violent and not-to-be-pacified creditor, of whom he stated he stood in bodily fear. "'I do not know, as I ever seed a chap as were as disparate or a little,' he remarked. "'It is nay but eighteen pence, and he says he'll hay it, or, or see about it. "'He stands at the street corner, near the hoot thought it and he will nay listen to aught. He says a chap as come into property can pay eighteen pence. He would not believe me, he added weakly, when I say as it is nay me, as has gittin the brass but you. It makes him worse to try to make him understand. He will nay believe me, and he's a chap as would nay stand back it out, there were a man in Marfort as owed him threepence. As he, he mashed into a jelly, Sarah Ann, and it were for threepence, ay, said Missus Brierly dryly. And there's no knowin what he'd do for eighteenpence. There's a bad lookout for thee, sure now. Mister Brierly paused, and surveyed her for a few seconds in painful silence. Then he looked at the floor as if appealing to it for assistance but even here he met with indifference and his wounded spirit sought relief in meek protestations they has no confidence in me sarah and he said happen the teetotals would nay ha neither happen they wouldn't and where's the use oh, a chap thinkin a gin in em when they mote hay no confidence o him, when a man's family mistrusts him, and has nay no belief in what he says, he cannot help feelin as he is nay encouraged. That is nay encouraging, Sarah Ann. There's where it is. But when, after her visit to Manchester, Missus brierly returned, even Mister brierly's spirits rose though under stress of circumstances and in private on entering the house mrs brierly sank into a chair breathless and overawed it's two pound ten a week janey she announced in a hysterical voice and that can ha thy black as soon as thou wants it and mrs brierly burst at once into luxurious weeping janey dropped onto a stool rolled her arms under her apron and sat gasping two pound ten a week she exclaimed i do not believe it but she was persuaded to believe it by means of soundproof and solid argument and even the properties were scarcely sufficient to tone down the prevailing emotion there's a good deal to be gettin', we two pound ten a week soliloquized mr brierly in his corner i've heerd a heads of families as were lowanced somewhat could be done wi three shillin a week wi four shillin a chap could be in paradise but this be it observed was merely soliloquy timorously ventured upon in the temporary security afforded by the prevailing excitement at the funeral the whole family appeared clothed in new garments of the most sombre description there were three black coaches and mrs brierly was supported by numerous friends who alternately cheered and condoled with her the mum remember they said as she's better off poor thing mr brierly who had been adorned with a hat-band of appalling width and length and had been furthermore inserted into a pair of gloves some inches too long in the fingers, overcame his emotion at this juncture sufficiently to make an endeavour to ingratiate himself. He withdrew his handkerchief from his face, and addressed Mrs. Brierly. "'Aye,' he said, "'the mun bear up, Sarah Anne. She is better off. Happen? And so are we.' and he glanced round with a faint smile which however faded out with singular rapidity and left him looking somewhat aghast End of chapter fifty three recording by john brandon